For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. Good day to you fine scholars of the internet. We have a wonderful debate my take show for you today. We're two good friends with great hair, great attitudes. Get down and dirty and fight it out over a series of topics that we hash out on the DM on Twitter uh, just over the day. And we got a fun one today. We've got cool topics coming to you, folks, where I take on my arch rival today, Cody Lashney, back again for Debate My Take. Welcome, my good friend, my good foe. Tony, it's Wednesday. We spar on Wednesday. And I think we've gotten into a good rhythm, man. You know, sometimes you got to give a few to, to take a few to give a few. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, listen, I, I love doing it. I love uh, coming on here and showing off my debate skills and absolutely working every single Wednesday. It's kind of become fun for me at this point. But, Tony Dunn, you're right. We have a tremendous lineup today. You see them on the screen here. And we're just going to jump right into it because this is the talk of the town. Odell Beckham Jr. has been told not to attend Brown's practices anymore. And it really does seem as though there's two camps. So I wanted to ask this question today. Is Odell Beckham Jr. toxic? And Tony, I'm here to tell you that despite popular belief, he isn't. He isn't toxic. What you're seeing is Baker Mayfield is nowhere near the quarterback that Brown fans want him to be. And I'm sorry, but Odell fathers, Odell's father is absolutely correct here. He is one of the better receivers in the NFL. He's always been a dynamic route runner. And the fact of the matter is, is Baker Mayfield is simply missing him. On top of that, Tony Dunn, Odell Beckham Jr. isn't doing what other receivers haven't done before and been successful with. Stephon Diggs was a part of the Minnesota Vikings. Apparently wasn't happy for whatever reason with the connection that he had with Kirk Cousins. And now look at him. He's with the Buffalo Bills, living his best life with Josh Allen. And he's dominating over there in the AFC uh, East, over with the Buffalo Bills. Odell Beckham Jr. has never been a locker room issue. Every receiver wants the ball in their hands. But you know what? If you had the kind of talent that Odell Beckham did, you would want the ball more too especially when your franchise quarterback is never looking your way, even on important plays that could decide the fate of the football game, Tony Dunn. Odell Beckham is misunderstood, and his talent is being underserviced by a subpar quarterback, Tony. The floor is now mine, folks. And uh, toxic. Toxic is one of these, you know, it's kind of a buzzy word on the internet, right, uh, these days. Um. 
I don't know if I'm going to go toxic here. Odell Beckham Jr. is toxic. I will definitely say whiny. I will say complainy. I will say diva-ish. And I will also say that your argument is flawed because it's living on reputation, homie, and reputation alone. He had three fantastically tremendous seasons coming out, but that and and, uh, I, and I went over the stats here yesterday. I heard my friend read them off on the radio uh, about 1400. You know, he was like a 1300 yard receiver, 10, 11, 12 touchdowns in his first seasons. Right. Those three seasons. And this was on 90 catches, too. So it wasn't all just huge volume. I mean, that's a lot of catches, but he wasn't leading the league in catches, but he was up there. I mean, he's putting up big, crazy statistics in those first three seasons. Now, I don't think he's un, uh, toxic, though, but I do think he's slightly unstable and a little unhinged. And I will re- reference the moment uh, in 2015 where he went headhunting after Josh Norman in what was really the greatest, the, the, a temper tantrum, a deadly version of temper tantrums uh, on the field never seen anything like it to be honest um so oj odell beckham jr not toxic but totally whiny totally a diva in his best days i'm sorry he has he's like had like 10 catches this year now um to his credit and to his point on this is baker mayfield is not as is not you know he had a great season last year but I think that was his best season that you're going to see. I think you saw kind of him touch the ceiling last year. And, you know, he is a better than average quarterback at this point. And probably Odell Beckham Jr. could thrive somewhere else. He's If he was toxic, which they sent him home, so it does kind of seem a little bit towards that, they should have shipped his diva ass to Green Bay, folks. So really the problem in this case is not the whiny um, Odell Beckham Jr., but the, I guess the very um, the Browns who are holding a grudge, um, petty. It seems a little petty by the Browns and someone who should have thought about dealing them to a team like Green Bay at this moment, where his personality cannot overshadow anybody's personality in Green Bay because the personality Aaron Rodgers is the top dog, whiny diva. Not toxic, but way past is not. I'm not. He's not that good no more. You can't call him the best. One of the best receivers in the league. Oh, that right. that I just. Hey, if you think he should have gone to Green Bay, you think it would have been better with Darren Rodgers? Yeah, I do think he would get me. Yeah, is but you know also still suffering, still suffering injury though. He's been struggling with a shoulder injury nonstop uh, this season. So. Um, really more of the problem uh, with the petty Browns here. Now let's move on to the next topic. Did we make a mistake by not trading? Um, and you know what? I don't know. I put, uh, I was thinking we were going to be talking CJ Henderson. So this slide right here is not even uh, that helpful. So we'll go back to the debate, <laughs> uh, debate topics is uh, I forgot how about this is when you sh- sent me a list of some of the topics that you were thinking were on your mind. I was, you know, kind of distracted looking at stuff while I was driving. Should not have been doing that. And it said Jackson or Anderson. And I thought, man, maybe the voice text, we had been voice texting. I thought maybe got it wrong. Maybe he meant Henderson. 
I forgot Robbie Anderson was on this team. Oh, That's, oh God. Maybe this should that... inform your answer on how you answer. No. Did we make a mistake not trading Dante Jackson or Robbie Anderson? Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that right now is um, at the at the end of the day is like uh, you have to be um, willing to pay Dante Jackson. Uh, so if you're not going to pay him after the season, um, then he's going to be a lost asset. Maybe you could say this is that uh, if he then goes and signs a deal, you get a compensatory pick. Right. So you get something like that. Um, I think this is that I, I, I'm not ready to give up on the Panthers yet, as in building a season that is uh, showing signs of growth, showing signs of toughness. Um, the Carolina Panthers, you know, maybe welcome the New England Patriots this week pool above 500 on this uh, after this week. But I don't know if the teams like uh, long term prospects, when I say long term for this season, are are are, are really the the. The ceiling is kind of low at this point for me. Uh, the other questions that emerge are um, we don't got a lot of draft picks going forward. So that's problematic. I think uh, Dante Jackson, though, would be the easier one to trade. Um, I think that because I won't say he's easier to replace, but we don't really have a stable of wide receivers that's super deep at this point. Um, and while Robbie Anderson has been, been a big disappointment, I don't know if he's going to fetch a large reward at this point. And we'll have kind of some troubles of is Terrence Marshall Jr. healthy enough to step in and take on that role. Dante Jackson has played exceptionally, and I think it would be hard to replace him. But we actually have a lot of bodies back there, it feels like at this point. Um, and Stefan Gilmore being one that has been added. Uh, so, yeah, I think the Panthers probably missed an opportunity. Didn't I personally don't want to trade either of these players. Um, and, and I want us to extend Dante going forward. Tony, Don, really, to me, this is a question of who do you believe the 2021 Carolina Panthers to be? Do you think that they have hope to move on and do something this season? Or is it time to sell, sell, sell? And, and listen, apparently our ownership has told you that, no, we're not selling. We're a, a football team that is still in on winning as many football games possible this season. And I have to agree with them, Tony Dunn. Listen, we're sitting at 500. We're 4-4 four and four on the season. We've been injured, but we finally have people that are coming back and playing better. So, um, Shaq Thompson was an incredible boost to this defense. Then you look at what, uh, uh, Stephon Gilmore was able to come do in, in just one appearance with the football team. You have players that are finally starting to contribute. If anything, it's a time to add and not subtract. This division is still out ahead of us. We're currently undefeated in the division, having a win over the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, listen, this team is, is, in my opinion, getting healthy at the right time. Guys are starting to come back at the right time. The man who is the subject of our next question is going to be coming back very soon, too. And it just doesn't send a good message to your football team that's getting healthy at the right time to start trading away players that mean something right now to the football team. And whatever you think about Robbie Anderson's drops, you know, whatever you think about 
you know, Dante Jackson being too small or what his long-term future is, they are important parts of our offense and our defense, respectively, right now. And to trade them away is essentially a signal, yeah, the Panthers are dead this season. We're, we're already playing for next year. The sad part about that in my rebuttal, just real quick, is that uh, all of those things are are true, right? Is, uh, to you know, kind of fighting and scrapping for potentially a playoff berth. Uh, defense, really impressive. There's some good parts on the offense with Christian McCaffrey returning, but there is an Achilles heel, and that Achilles heel uh, has got a concussion at this moment. And really, uh, there's some real questions surrounding if Sam Darnold can get the job done. So if you get there, and then it's just <laughs> Sam Darnold, that kind of stinks too. All right, yeah. uh, next topic. Should CMC play this week versus the Patriots? He was activated uh, off of IR, right? Uh, eligible to return. And today I saw a tweet from, I don't know if it was somebody. It was one of the beat writers that said that both Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey were at practice in jerseys. Now, they didn't mention what color the jerseys were either, but they were physically there. I watched Matt Rule's press conference and he said McCaffrey was very limited. So he was at practice. He was in a jersey, uh, but he was indeed limited. So uh, I think that's a you know a, a good sign. Uh, Tony, listen, I'm going to give you the answer that you probably think I'm going to give you, and I know you're going to hate it, but it is what it is, man. I do not think that you play Christian yet. Uh, Darren Gant puts here the most watched hamstring in Charlotte. And it's absolutely true, you know. Uh, listen, I think going forward, we're going to need Sam, or pardon me, Christian, down the road. We're going to need him to be healthy, and we're going to need him to be strong. I would rather wait one extra game and have him back and healthy and ready to go for the Arizona Cardinals, who are still one of the very best teams in football, uh, than have him, you know, rush him back against New England risk further injury and then not have him later on this year. I don't think that you play Christian right now. I think that we need to err on the side of caution and put Christian in an advantageous position to be able to succeed. Unlike what I feel Matt Rule has done to a few of our other players on the football team this year. Let's not rush it. We were able to mount a very strong rushing attack. Uh, last week against the Falcons. Let's try and do the same thing against the New England Patriots. And then let's let Christian return healthy when we play the biggest test that we played all year against the Arizona Cardinals. If the, the answer is absolutely yes, we should play Christian McCaffrey and we should damn play him like 100% of the damn snaps. Oh, and, the, no. and here it is. Here's why. Because if this damn hamstring is taking this long, if he is still not ready and he's out there, look at that. That leg looks fine to me. He's there. Put his knee to his forehead. <laughs> fine to me. If he is still not ready, the fear that I have is that maybe you're right. Not in this debate. Not in this debate, sir. But you know what I'm talking about. Always right. If Christian McCaffrey is best days kind of behind him, injury prone, because man, at this point is like, 
first, they actually came out and thought he, they said he was a 50 50 chance over three weeks ago to go. How is he not better yet? How is this hamstring still lingering? And we need to win this Patriots game. And we can win this Patriots game. Mac, Mac Jones had a 50% completion rate, zero touchdowns. And somehow they, they won because their defense got two interceptions on uh, and put them in a position to win. They We have an opportunity to frustrate their offense, to frustrate their offense. And we need Christian McCaffrey back to inject some life into this team. So he should play. He should play. And he should play because he, please play, please play. I mean, it's what's one more week, you know, like, gosh, how is he not healthy yet? Was, and and just now, because I'm just interested more in the situation. Yeah. When you heard uh, the press conference today, which I have not had an opportunity to watch, did they say he was extremely limited because they're being cautious or extremely limited because he's not doing great? No, I mean, to me, it sounded like extremely limited because they're being cautious and they don't want to rush him back and they, they still, I mean, they, he didn't really give a thorough injury report on him, but he was out there. And, I mean, judging uh, from how it sounded, it's still early. It's only Wednesday, but uh, I just kind of feel like even our coaching staff is is hesitant with this. So that's just how I read And it. you know what? Then we're going to be debating this topic next week and the week after. Should he wait one more week? Should we give him mm. one more week? That's why I say... Put that sucker in and go score some damn touchdowns, Christian McCaffrey. All right, before we move on to the next topics, uh, I want to encourage you guys to uh, first smash the thumbs up button, subscribe to the C3 Panthers podcast. Um, You can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher for the audio podcast. But we got a great following on YouTube, Facebook. We'd love for you to be a part of the show. Each and every Tuesday is our live, live, the flagship show. Uh, Debate my take on Wednesdays. Uh, we're going to drop this. And then tonight we got the beat check. We got Eric Summers from cat scratch reader. We got Josh Fisher from, um, the charity stripe helping us preview this Patriots, um, or Patriots at Panthers game. And also ask you to support us not only by telling a friend about the show, but, um, you can support this actual debate show by tweeting us at hashtag, not at hashtag. Using the hashtag C3Debates, topics you want us to debate on this show. Look at this cool gear behind me. You see that cool gear? Look, this is the front. One Nation, One Voice. You can get a C3 t-shirt, a Keep Pounding t-shirt. Got some other stuff on the website. The merch link will be in uh, the show description. We're growing, we're growing, we're growing. Um, And as we grow, we will argue. What's up next? Up next... We have should we put Pat Elflin on IR? And Tony, I'm gonna jump in first on this one. The answer is yes. Listen, we found our best offensive rhythm on the O line completely without Pat Elflin. And even when he did play, did he inspire that much confidence? No. And listen, Matt Rule did say in his press conference today that they have to make a very big decision on Pat Elfline. Uh, going forward here soon, because if he's not able to play, uh, then uh, the Panthers are going to have to make a decision on whether to put him back on injured reserve, which would be season-ending injured reserve. So, uh, listen, Tony, I mean, I know our coaches might think different. They might want him to be a part of this football team. 
they might love his toughness. But frankly, I think Michael Jordan, in his one good performance with the football team, showed more this season than Pat Elflin has all year. So two, you know two what? good performances. Two good performances. The past two weeks he's been, as Matt Rule said, the brand. Yeah, yeah. So why not just continue to go with Michael Jordan? Uh, yeah, I do think Pat Elflin should be put on IR. Man, don't rush it. Hey, I, I, I hate the sound being, but homeboy, this isn't good enough. Sorry, Pat, not here, bro. Off to IR, Tony Dunn. I'm right. If he is hurt, and the reason he's not been active is because of injuries at this point, because they he has been off of IR now for 21 days and not been active, I believe I saw a tweet. If this is uh, his inactivity is due to injury, then absolutely you should put him on IR at this point because, you know, he's not going to be coming back. But I sneakily, sneakily suspect that it ain't just injury. It's because my man is a bum. And they found a better iteration of the starting five. But my answer is no. Do not put them on IR. Why? Because we got a debate. It wouldn't be fun if we just agreed on it. <laughs> two. two, though, is this. is um, If he is showing signs of getting healthier, but he's still not able uh, to beat out Michael Jordan, the brand, the brand, Carolina Panthers brand of toughness, and we have found our iteration, our starting five. We still have to see this: is that man, the damn Panthers offense, offensive linemen have been dropping like flies, body bags everywhere. So having bodies is helpful. And here's where the body could be helpful. What if Matt Paradis, the sucky ass center, gets hurt? I was told that Pat Eflon had some experience at center. So, um, I know, yuck. But having a body. I know is having a body that could play the position in case more disaster happened could be helpful. Ultimately though, he's a bum. Is there a bum squad instead of IR? We could put him on, put him on the practice squad. And what are the tough decisions? The tough decisions, easy, Matt rule. It's easy. Bye. And by last year with the Carolina Panthers didn't work. Didn't work. Mr. F line. Sorry. He's already nice on the bum squad. It's called the Panthers O line. Oh, sorry. All right. Um, <laughs> next topic: Do Panther fans or new Panther fans? <laughs> do football fans? Do fans take football seriously? Do fans take sports too seriously? Uh, this question inspired by a tweet that came out today. Um, and I, yeah, it was today from this morning. Hassan Reddick says it amazes me how many people have opinions about what happens on the football field yet know nothing about football. Just shut up and watch. Hassan Reddick is questioning the intensity. I don't know the knowledge, the opinion base of fans. Cody, I want you to take this one first. Yeah, listen, this is a bad opinion. By frankly, the best pass rusher on our football team. Listen, I know. I know. I hate the opinion, but love the player. Yeah, 100%. Listen, Hassan Reddick is a beast on the field, but this is a bad opinion, man. And especially year after year, you see the types of decisions that coaches and NFL general managers make every year. And then people tell us that we don't know anything about football. 
Hell, if anything, fans are so dedicated, they're spending more hours looking at film, looking at alignments, looking at coverages, looking at all kinds of different things relating to football. On top of that, it's that kind of fandom and passion that pays Hassan Reddick's bills. People that love this game, that can't get enough of the Panthers, that can't get enough of X's and O's and just football in general, man. Uh, I mean, people care about this stuff. And the reason he has a job is because people care about this stuff. So, yeah, imagine telling, you know, millions upon millions of diehard fans just to shut up and watch. Now, certainly not every opinionated fan knows better than a player or a coach. But I'll be damned, Tony Dunn, you and I have been doing this podcast for a long time. And I think you and I are are pretty certain in saying we've been right on a number of different issues where our coaches and our franchise have been wrong. And they have done the wrong things. And then when they finally do implement the actual changes that the fan base is talking about, well, what a shocker. Things start to get a little bit better each and every day. This is a bad take by Hassan Reddick, and it is what it is. He's still our best pass rusher. Is the take, do I disagree with the take that uh, that fans uh, have too many opinions? Uh, clearly, bad, bad take. Um, <laughs> on top of that, uh, interesting who it's coming from, to be honest. Like, who the hell's criticizing, criticizing Hassan Reddick? This year, I mean, like, if anything, he's like the untouchable dude. You want to be the sensitive guy, go check Robbie Anderson's timeline, see how he feels about people's opinions. Yeah. But here, the question, though, was not whether or not this is a good take. The question is, do fans take football too seriously? And the answer is absolutely. Absolutely. And you're looking at two idiots right here that take it too seriously. That podcast, like four nights a week. Now, you should be thanking fans for taking it too seriously because if we all figure out like how much ridiculous time we spend with this game, how much ridiculous like attention we play to all of this, the energy, the money we spend, the investment. I mean, we I, I spend money like there. Look at look at salesmen or all these fans that spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Like the amount of food they eat and consume, the parties they have, the this, the trips they take, and all of this to support these teams that at the moment or a lot of times are sucking. You know what? Good God, I would say this is yeah, we're a bunch of giant fools for investing all that time and energy in uh, this game now. If anything, the NFL would say, thank God y'all take it this seriously. Thank God you take it too seriously. Thank God you spend all day Sunday uh, watching football instead of hanging out with your children because that's what makes us rich. So, yes, if fans take football too seriously, man, yeah, we do. Um, But, Reddick, your take is wrong. It's wrong because of this. It's all the things that uh, Cody outlined about the take I agree with. But this would also be like saying, what if politicians told you to shut up and uh, you don't know anything about it? You're just a citizen. Well, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You're right, homie. Like, I don't play football. Like, I'm not a professional football. But stop being so damn sensitive. You know what? Stop being so Super sensitive. sensitive. Yeah. 
you make millions and and you have a problem with the opinions of of, of people online dominion on, it's like the peons it's like it's like uh imagine if like uh it would be like um, if Donald Trump's like bantering back and forth with some internet troll, which also would be himself. Yeah, which one hundred percent would be something that 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 he would he do. would do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Bad yeah. take by, by his son, and also Tony. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Well, one other thing I was going to say is this: is that um, we have been misled. I feel like, and I think that us, me doing this podcast for so long has been one of the things that's given me some insight into this. Another thing has been my studies in history and just kind of watching politics is we've been misled or, or, or we often believe that the people in power know what the fuck they're doing. Yes. And we like just believe because False. they're in a position of power yes. uh, that they actually know what the hell they're doing. Well, it turns out they might have a little bit more access to information. Uh, hopefully we're putting in smart, capable people into power. But it turns out, like, if you just go back and look at a lot of things in the world, that people are making big, important decisions off of very limited evidence, off of preconceived beliefs, and aren't as capable as we think they are. I mean, look at how we got all duped into going to Iraq. Um, I go and listen to this podcast. It's called Turning Point. It's about the relationship between George Bush and Tony Blair. Uh, I will say this is that George Bush has done more in, in the last 10 years to revitalize his image for me. Like, I love George Bush now. Like, he's my dude. Like, I would uh, hang out with him. Let's not debate that. <laughs> no, like, he actually is a good dude that cares about the country. But here's the oh, thing is please. there was a bunch of there were people around him that had interests that were that they were the questionable ones on top of that we based all of the intelligence of going into the iraq war on one source named curveball who turned out to be a fraud like and everybody was fooled and the problem was is that they were feeding misinformation like the cia is feeding misinformation to the president dick cheney's over there yapping in his is like this is that I thought that George Bush was the problem. Turns out he wasn't, but he made a bunch of, he was part of a decision-making process on very limited evidence. We just assumed because he had the power of the CIA behind him. He had all this information. No. Well, people pick and choose when they love the CIA, when their preferred political right. party is in power, then they love the CIA. But it, you know, and you know, when it was Bush, everybody was, you know, talking about how the CIA was terrible but now when it's, uh, you know, Biden and Obama, they believe that Russia stole the election. So it's like people pick and choose. I will disagree. I think Bush had a, uh, you know, when you're the president, you get to decide the people that are around you. You pick your cabinet. Dude, he sure. has to take responsibility, sure. man. I oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's blameless. I don't think he's blameless. I just don't feel like he's the a villain. Um and you know what? As I think he actually is kind of like genuinely a, all right. Like, and I think Obama's a good dude. Like, I think these. I don't think Trump was a good dude. Like, I don't think he's a good dude. Anyway, I don't think we're off. We're off of the. But here, look. You want another political example? Betsy DeVos. Just because she's the sec, she was the Secretary of Education, don't mean she knows shit about education. I don't like any of them. I think they're all crooks and liars. I got you. Don't. But. My point, going back to it, circling back, is my point, just because you're in a position of power and influence, uh, don't assume that that makes them capable. 
qualified. Um, and we've seen a bunch of nepotism in the NFL. We've seen a bunch of people put into positions that didn't know what they were doing. We've seen a bunch of people that are really terrible. And you know, uh, one other one is the is it Lewis Reddick? Who's the guy that's on Monday Night Football? Lewis um, yeah, everybody was telling me like how great of a GM he would have been, how smart he's well spoken. He is very well spoken. He knows how to describe things very well. But like I, I, as the more I hear him, I, I think his takes are bad. Like his is like perspectives on players. Like I just don't agree with it. I like Bucky Brooks more. But what I'm saying is that just because somebody is in the seat doesn't mean that they really are that great of a driver. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I also don't like the revisionist history too. You know, people look back and that they, they make decisions retroactively based on what people shouldn't or shouldn't have known then. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like to look at things in context of the time, which is what, what I think we're about to do on this next question, too. Speaking is, uh, of villains, speaking of villains. Yeah. Right. I wonder if I should have just put like greatest TV villain and then put like um, uh, Sean Hannity up here. <laughs> that would have hey, been funny. Donald Trump, everyone called him a villain. He was on TV all the time. Rachel Maddow. TV villain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right. Um, debate my take. You're listening to it. And we close the debate session each and every week with a non-football debate. Uh, we've had some fun ones in the past. This week is best TV villain. Would you like me to go first, sir? Sure. Um, first, I would say this just from it is our, our picture. The pictures on the screen are not uh, our takes. Our positions do not have to be limited to these people right is um that they like is that these are just some villains that came to mind and as i was putting up these pictures and trying to cobble this together very quickly what is very clear is that breaking bad has the most best tv villain bad t- uh villains on television like from tuco to uh tuco's uncle uh, Salamango, right? Uh, to uh, Gus Fring and Walter White being the villainous of villains on that show, they have the the best litany of villains. I'm gonna go with my man here though, Marlo. Right? Um, and I'm and I'm in the wire position right now. I'm gonna say this is that I'm lo- I've been watching the wire and uh, another show with great villains. I would say number th- number like look Avon's Bar- Avon Barksdale Omar by the way are rest in peace to Omar. Um, I wish and uh, you guys know him from Empire Board- Boardwalk Empire as well. Um, I'm going with Marlo here. This was one cold sob. And here's the thing is that and I'm just in the wire. I have one other one. I can't think of his name right now. Have you ever seen a Prison Break? Uh, I know of the show. I never watched The guy that got his hand cut off, he was pretty, he's a mean, crazy dude. He was pretty endearing. Uh, Marlo, though, is this, is Omar, he was a good, he was like a good dude. He was like a Robin Hood bad guy. Like he robbed the bad guys. He cared about his boyfriend. He gave this, like, in one, in one episode, he gives this, uh, this, the heroin addict who's a little baby because he feels bad. He gives her some free hair. Like he he's not all bad. Right. Avon Barksdale, cold, cold killer, 
but really Stringer Bell is probably colder than him. But it's Sam Avon Barstow likes his his little cousin, his nephew, looks out for him. Marlo, he don't care about nobody. This one cold killer with that golf club coming around. He, how about this? He didn't even have to talk, and he was a great actor. He said like eight words in the wire. And he has been fantastic on the TV show Bosch, where he is actually a good guy. So I'm going to say best TV villain right now, most endearing for me, Marlo. Tony, listen, I respect that answer, but it's the wrong one per usual. The answer is actually Joffrey Baratheon. And listen, of course I can get into the details of what Joffrey, that little shit, did in the show to the legendary Stark family. But Tony, you know what? We can't pretend like this doesn't grow and get to a base annoyance that all people have. Because everyone at one point in their life has known some absorbed, entitled, spoiled little piece of shit kid that always wants to be right about everything, is aggressive, always gets their way, and do they are the absolute worst. Okay? They're the worst. Everyone has a built-in repulsion to that kind of person. Now imagine if that kind of person had the power of a king, Tony Don, because that's what my man had, okay? And he was wielding his power just like a temper tantrum in a, in a child would. And you know, listen, I, I love all those shows that you mentioned, but I've never been a big time drug dealer. I've never been involved in, you know, gang violence and shootouts. I can't really relate to that. And you know what? I've never lived in a medieval age either. But I have been around some bratty fucking children that deserve a few smacks across the face if you pick up what I'm saying, Tony. The best, easiest answer to this question is none other than Joffrey Breath. Ooh, I wonder is the, what we're trying. Uh, what does the question mean, right? The best TV villain. Is it the most villainous of villains? Is it the most endearing villain? Like the most likable villain? Ooh, this question oh, has a lot of different answers. Well, that would I'll be Walter you. White for sure, in my opinion. Walter White is uh, easily the like villainous of villains to me. He was never the villain to me. He was always my hero. He turns into a bad end. person, dude. He starts I good and it. turns bad. I love it. And Tuco is the fucking unhinged one, dude. Man was yeah, unhinged, I, I dude. Look, let me tell you. Gus Frank, he, oh, he, was, he was pretty he ruthless. Was, he yeah, he didn't mess around, dude. Yeah, he, he was that really whole Gassing, the, like, poison the whole people and bring me back, that, back to life. By the way, one of this. the most legendary deaths of a character in any show. Is how Gus Frank dies. Remind me how he died of it again. What happened? Yeah, super spoiler alert. In the nursing home, the old grandpa has a bomb connected to his belt. And And he walks out and doesn't have half of a whole body and a face. Dude, it was incredible. Yeah, that was awesome. I am... Going back and watching The Wire again for like the fifth time, and I got Breaking Bad in my eyesight and my crosshairs for next because it's one of those things. Like these are game changing TV shows, game change, and I'd say arguably The Wire is like one of the most important TV shows in the history of TV. 
Um, all right. Fun debate my take. Uh, you can we want you to be a part of debate my take by jumping in the comment section and telling us who wins, right? What we've got some great responses back where people uh, break it down. And I know Cody thinks he's undefeated, but that's not what the I comments have told us. That is not what the comment section has told us from week uh, to week. We might want to tally up the what the comments are saying because I think if it's my opinion or theirs. There's only one people's champ, Tony Don, and you're talking to him. You can be a part of uh, the show by hitting us up on Twitter with a hashtag C3Debates. Uh, let us know your topics. Particularly, I'm interested in non-football topics, ones that uh, have some lasting power and some staying power, right? Because then if you if we debate, if you send me a debate topic about football, sometimes it can be dated by the time we record next week. True. So um, I'd love to hear your best villain type suggestions, worst candy type suggestions. We'll debate those on the show. Uh, check us out on Tuesday nights, uh, 9 p.m. for the C3 Panthers podcast. Check us out on Wednesday night for the Beat Check. Friday night for the Friday Free For All. That's your show. You can come in and be a part of the Friday Free For All every Friday at 7. You'll be able to come out and hang out on the show yourself and talk football with me and the gang. Come be a part of it, man. It's fun. Post-game show this week after the Patriots game. Uh, hopefully, we're celebrating moving to 500. Be a part of the show by calling in 252-228-5098. Uh, and getting that, again, once again, get in the comments and say, Cody, Marlo, baby, Marlo. Be gentle. When this you, one's when a tough. You, when you, a when tough you all... Listen, when when all of you tell Tony Dunn how you know how many times he's lost, be gentle with them. Don't bruise uh, I, his ego. Oh, don't worry. They don't they are not gentle. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. All the time. And it's not about this show. Uh right now I've become negative Nancy. That's what one guy is keeps commenting that I'm this that I'm most pessimistic. Wait, how can I be more pessimistic than Cody? He's been there's no way. There is no way. Um, I want this these show topics early because I wanted to do more preparation. This one, we we might come back to this one in a couple of months and revisit the villain thing. Um, all right, until uh tonight. Keep pounding. Keep pounding. Find your next favorite podcast at AdvertiseCast.com slash explore. There you will find a list of some of the best and up-and-coming podcasts around searchable by category. That's AdvertiseCast.com slash explore to find your new podcast obsession. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.